0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Last week we began a new sermon series, "Thy Kingdom Come," and in it we asked the question, "What is the gospel that Jesus preached?" Is it good news of forgiveness of sins, assurance of eternal life with God forever? Is it God's love made manifest here on earth so that needs are met and social evils are corrected? What we found in the sermon that Jesus proclaimed, what we heard from the Gospels, is that the kingdom of God has come near. And both, both of these are a result. 81 81 times in our four Gospels, we hear Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God in Matthew, it's the kingdom of heaven. Today, we are looking at for whom has this kingdom come. Our text is from Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. It is found on page 53 of your Pew Bible in the New Testament. Luke 4, beginning with verse 16. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let us pray. For Jesus, we ask that you who stood and spoke from the prophet Isaiah, would now stand before us, and by the hearing and proclamation of your word, something may happen, and we may understand and receive the kingdom of God. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you start any kind of new endeavor that is really important to you, you want to start off on the right foot. Many students have started school in the last few weeks. I asked a second grader this week what he thought of his new teacher, and he said, she's nice. I said, okay, what are you all, like, doing in class? He said, oh, not much. She's just trying to make everything, okay. I asked a college professor how it was that she started off on the right foot for the academic year. And she said her technique is to come in stern, like a disciplinarian, high demands, very strict. It's the attitude she found would help the students to push themselves academically. As they engaged in their work, then she kind of leaned back and let her personality show through, starting off on the right foot. Think of how John F. Kennedy started off as the 35th president of the United States. In his inaugural address in 1961, he showed the nation his vision and his values. My fellow Americans he showed the nation his vision and his values. My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Please join me. Ask what you can do for your country. Now, this was the first president in peacetime to ask citizens to commit themselves to a larger cause than their own personal lives. In today's passage that we heard, we hear Jesus' inaugural address. He outlines His agenda, and he makes a promise to fulfill it. We also see Jesus beneficiaries of this agenda. And we're going to find out who's included. And we deliver on His promise. So let's look. the inaugural address. The context is that Jesus has traveled after his baptism in the Jordan, which is in southern part of Israel, back up north to the hill country of Galilee. Already, he has created a stir among the towns and cities around the Sea of Galilee because of his preaching. He is returning home where everyone knew him when he was just a little guy. And he goes to the synagogue as was his custom. Luke wants to make us aware of this. Jesus' life patterns for us our own way that we are to live. He goes as a practice to worship each week. Sabbath worship. Well, what was that like in the synagogue? Let me tell you. What they did is they opened with prayer and then a hymn or two, the reading of Scripture, and then a comment or a sermon on that, a prayer, and a concluding hymn. Hey, that's worship at Old South. We're not just 275 years old. We're ancient. This is great. At the service, as it was coming close to the end, before the people were dismissed, They would read a portion from the prophets. There was the first uh, scroll, 150 feet of parchment rolled up, which was the first five books of the Bible. And then there were the prophets who commented on that. Any young man from the congregation could do the reading and make a comment, if he so wished, about what it said. Jesus is visiting. And so the attendant, the heavy scroll of Isaiah to Jesus. Jesus stands up and he unrolls it and he unrolls it and he unrolls it toward the very end. Standing before his family and former neighbors, Jesus gives his inaugural address. He declares the scope of his mission and it's Good news. That word we heard last week is the same word as gospel. Gospel and good news are the same word. It's the gospel of his agenda. Now, so often today, we're conditioned, whenever we hear good news, to wonder what's the bad news. We use good news, bad news in our family a lot. So, have you heard about the man who asked his doctor how bad his, his doctor how bad his condition was and the doctor responded well i have good news and i have bad news for you well what's the good news well said the doctor the good news is that you are going to have a fatal new disease named after you Did you hear about the man who had a severe injury during the Christmas holidays that required surgery? Upon waking up, his surgeon said, "I have good news and I have bad news for you." "Oh, what's the bad news?" the man said. "Well, I'm sorry, but we had to cut off your left foot." "Good heavens," said the man. "What's the good news?" "Well, You can start off the new year on the right foot. (laughs) So, Jesus' inaugural speech presents only good news. It's his agenda. You heard it. Good news for the poor, release for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, freedom for all who are oppressed. This word oppressed is only used here in the New Testament. It comes as its corollary straight from Isaiah 58. To be oppressed is to experience an unrelenting shattering, to be broken to pieces. In Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, made into a musical Fantine, is thrown out of her factory job. She's desperate and she's shattered. But the tigers come at night and they tear your dream to pieces. This is the experience of oppression. Jesus declares that he has come to set free all who are oppressed. Now, really, what kind of agenda is this? It's It's so lofty and unrealistic. Jesus' agenda, however, is not lofty. It's not just his first 100 days on the job that he's describing. He is declaring what is from all eternity and what he will make sure is our eternity. Rosalinda is in this area. She's a young mother with two active elementary age boys. The school say that they are misbehaving. Her husband left her and the boys years ago and she receives no child support. Her father has been absent from her life. Her mother is uninvolved, but she is highly critical. Rosalinda lives with her boys in a 400 square foot apartment on the third floor. She works six days a week cleaning houses. She has to pay in the afternoons for babysitting because she gets home around 7. She works on Saturdays and holidays. Her earnings do not make ends meet. Marcos is a seminary student at the campus of Gordon-Conwell in Boston. His heart is of gold. He too works six days a week. But on the one day off that he has, he joins Rosalinda in cleaning houses. He has, he joins Rosalinda in cleaning houses, and then he turns his earnings from the day over to her to help. I recently asked Rosalinda if she ever took a holiday off. Her reply was no. Did you have a vacation day this summer? I asked. No. This year? no, I have never had a day off. She's young. She's depleted. She's oppressed. <laughs> Rosa Linda has good news from Jesus that he proclaims. His agenda is not a political platform. It is a package deal that comes with him. Jesus closes his reading from the scroll of Isaiah by saying of the Lord's favor. This is the reference directly from Leviticus 25. It's referring to what Isaiah says will happen when the prophet comes. It's the gift of God to the Israelites Every 50 years, all debts would be canceled. Now, Israel was just like us. In a fallen world, bad things happen. You get sick, a spouse dies, you get behind on paying bills, your land is sold in order for you to survive, a child is sent off in order to help make ends meet. But every 50 years was a start over. The slaves were set free. Everyone's land holding would be restored. It was a year of jubilee. It would be like Christmas every, every day. Sadly, there is no recorded history that God's people ever celebrated jubilee. It was a gift of God offered to them that they never experienced. Jesus came to fulfill the word and the will of the Lord. In Jesus, the extravagant gift that God has offered is now available. So Jesus rolls up the scroll. He returns it to the attendant, and he sits down. That's because the seating was like a small stadium. It was seated up on every side like this. So he would be down and could be here. They could project. The eyes of everyone are looking now at him. He says these words. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It's because our English translators did not want to put what it said. It's been fulfilled in your ear. That's what it is. You heard it with your own ear. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. Something extraordinarily extravagant has now begun. I heard from someone who trained to be a naval officer that part of the work on a submarine was to know which buttons to push and when. In the training, there was the often repeated phrase, don't Push the red button. Do this and this and this and this and that. Don't push the red button. Well, you can guess why. If you did, it would set off that could never be retracted and could not be contained. Jesus said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your ear. He has pushed the red button. His words now have started off a chain of events that will impact heaven and earth and us today. Now, who are the beneficiaries of Jesus' good news? We could sum it up by saying the poor. In the Gospel of Luke, Mary sings in her Magnificat that God has visited the poor. Who are the poor? We heard Debbie Owen speak of International Justice Mission. The founder is Gary Haugen, a Christian who is a skilled attorney. He started, this out, he started this outreach for those who are enslaved in the world. There are more slaves now in the world than had ever been in human history. So he recounts how... and history professor of his, defined the poor. Listen. The poor are the ones who can never afford to have any bad luck. They can't get an infection because they don't have access to medicine. They can't get sick or miss their bus or get injured because they will lose their labor job if they don't show up for work. They cannot misplace their pocket change because it's actually the only money they have left for food. They can't have their goats get sick. It's the only source of milk they have, and on it goes. Of course, the bad news is everybody has bad luck. It's bad luck. It's just that most of us have margins of resources, and we access those to support us in order to weather a storm. You can't do that when you live off $2 a day. Jesus proclaims good news to the poor. Is it only the economically poor that he is coming to to bless? Is there no other way to have poverty? I ask you this. Have you ever been time poor? Where there's too much to do and not enough you to do it? How about relationally poor? How about spiritually poor? Poor and poverty has to do when there's nothing you can do to fix whatever and take what is given to you. It's called gratis, free. It's called grace. Jesus came for the poor and all of us are poor in some way. I met Kim last week. He plays the banjo at the parking lot of Market Basket. I went over to put some change in a little bucket, and he says, oh, don't do that. He says, I just play because I'm so lonely, and this is the way I can get people to come and talk to me. So I asked about him and heard his story, and how lonely he has been in his retirement ever since his wife died. Similarly, Ronnie, that's not his true name, shares lunch with us in Sunday sandwiches. He and his wife worked in a business for 40 plus years. They never had their own children, but they loved all children well. When she died, Ronnie said he became homeless. I didn't say that I don't have a house, he told me. I had a house and a bank account. But I became homeless when my wife died. Ronnie is poor. Jesus came for the poor. No, what is it? That we find in Jesus. We find that we're all poor and He came for us. So now let's look at our third and final observation from Jesus' inaugural address. Look at our third and final observation from Jesus' inaugural address. How is Jesus going to fulfill this? We see it by the way He reads the scroll. He he takes the scroll and he opens it to Isaiah 61, but he doesn't stop there. He rolls it back all the way to the beginning of the servant prophecies. There's a servant of the Lord beginning in Isaiah 40 all the way through the end. That is the one who is pleasing to the Lord, who brings about the restoration of Israel, who fulfills the will of God. And he, how does he do it? By suffering. We hear about Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant. But all of these chapters. So how does he Moving around. He begins with chapter 61. He jumps over to 58. He goes all the way back to 42. Do you see what he's doing? He's connecting the dots. He's connecting the dots of the passages to himself. Jesus is the servant. How is he going to fulfill this agenda that he promises to fulfill? It's through his suffering. So we get now to our response. The red button has been pushed. The year of Jubilee is now available. It's in Jesus Christ. He gives reconciliation to God so that the cancellation of the debt of our sin is paid. He opens wide heaven for those who put their trust in him because they're poor. They can't do this on their own. He re- They receive him. He gives as well a new creation to us. We heard that in 2 Corinthians 5 16. If anyone is in Christ there is a new creation. Paul did not have to use that word creation. He could have said you've been fixed up, you've been patched together, you've been renovated. He says you've been created. The word from Genesis. There's something brand new about you and that is how God sees you and that is how you are to see one another in Christ. This exchange has taken place. Are you in Christ? If so, you become an ambassador of the kingdom. You're new. So now you're going to have the right values. You're going to value people as God does. You're going to be able to say the things that Jesus says, and you're going to do the things. Remember the first hundred days? Remember the first hundred days of Jesus' ministry? People were healed. The blind received sight. The poor had good news proclaimed to them, and they were fed. This is the newness that Jesus brings. Are you in Christ? If you are, people will be able to connect the dots and they will see Christ in you. And they will believe that the year of Jubilee is available even for them. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that with all our heart we may ask for your kingdom to come and that if there is any foreign our own minds, our own spirit, our own past, may we be willing to say, come, Jesus, be my king, my savior. And Come, Jesus, may I be an ambassador because you are with us now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.